0: Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join kumitecoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. Okay guys, welcome to the next edition in the Kumite Coach podcast. I'm really excited today to have Ashley Scott Heald, former EKF England team member, current assistant England coach for JKS England and former British uh, Karate Federation champion. So Ashley, thanks so much for being with us today. It's really great to have you on the show. would you mind just telling us a little bit about how you got started, your background in karate, where it all came from?
1: Indeed. Thanks for having me, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where it all started was back in Gated in the Northeast around about 1998. Um, so, I used to stay at my grandparents' house on a Saturday night, and every Saturday I would rent a movie called The Three Ninjas. Um, and I. <laughs> I just wanted to be a one like them. Um, so I asked my mum if I could start karate or oh, boxing, I think. It was boxing or karate. And she said I wasn't allowed to do boxing because it would mess my face up. Wow. Um, so we settled on karate. Um, and that was it. I started at uh, Gateshead, Shotokan Karate Club, around 1998. Um, and that was that, really. Just kind of trained there. Then I moved to I moved kind of with one of my coaches to his new club, which was called Denchikai, and then from there I came down to Leeds.
0: Nice. And so I presume you the shirt can karate clubs like most were like general karate. Um, but when did you start to have a look at uh, competition?
1: Um, competition is something. It was always about competition for me. Um, I grew up from a small age doing competitions. So gymnastics from a a young age, um, seven or eight, something like that. It, there was never any, it wasn't general karate such. Gate said the club I started was a competitive club. I was always aware of competitions going on and people coming back with medals and and things like that. And that from the, the absolute outset was my, was my goal. Um, so I kind of trained with that in mind as soon as I, I think it was a yellow belt, red belt for my first competition uh, in a pub in Seahouses.
0: Nice. I um,
1: was <laughs> that
0: competition was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent. It's a classic. Um, so, yeah, that was my first competition as a red or yellow belt. I came back with some kind of medal. Um, but it wasn't until kind of when I moved to Denchikai um, with Brian, that's when I started kind of really becoming passionate about it in, in a karate sense. Um, and once I moved to Leeds with um, Matt Price, Nick Heald, uh, that's when I kind of started getting noticed at competitions. Um, I started kind of getting through the rounds at the KUGB Nationals, yeah. um, getting into the semifinals, the finals. That's when my competitive career kind of really took off um Brian McVeigh who was my coach at Denchikai said when I moved to Leeds for university he said he's taken me as far as he could and he was really glad that I was then moving on to train with Matt and Nick so that they could take me to the next level
0: That's fantastic. which is what happened yeah that's a, a great outlook from a coach you know a lot of coaches want to hang on to their their competitors but to see that you know yeah
1: well up, because I was coming down for uni he um he made a joke. He said, I was on loan um, to Leeds Karate Academy. And obviously, I, I never went back.
0: <laughs> so was there, a, was there a specific point? Because you, you're not only were a competitor, but you've, you've really invested time, money and effort into competing. You've competed all over the world. Um, was there a particular point in your life where you thought, you know, this is for me, this is what I want? Um, I want to see how far it can go.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, um, again, once I moved down to uni, um, I I did all the trials and everything to get onto the university football team, um, which I did. I got on, um, and I was always doing karate as well as. It was always karate and football for me. Um and then I think it was the first training session of the football, the football team. I uh, damaged the ligaments in my ankle, standard. Um, I was on crutches and this was early on, kind of after moving to, to Leeds. And it was then that Nick said to me, I have to make a decision. Um, Nick being my husband's coach. Um, I have to make a decision. If I want to go far in either one of those sports, I've got to choose one over the other because of how often I was injured, Um, my nickname being Sick Note and all. Um, And obviously I'd found a karate club after I moved to Leeds, but hadn't yet found a football team other than the university one. So I guess the decision was kind of made through that really. Um, And that's when I kind of, Got my head down and really, really went for
0: it. Yeah, and how, how did your goals change as uh, going from being a, a general competitor as such, going up to nationals, to then you know making that commitment towards one sport over the other? Was there a shift in your goal focus at that point as well?
1: Um, do you know it wasn't? It wasn't so much people if you know me well you know I just kind of live in my little bubble okay I said that to you recently didn't I and it was um it wasn't so much I mean anything I do I want to do to a high level and I always I always have so it was more of an issue of being aware of what my opportunities were and how to go about doing that and that's where um Nick really really guided me mm. uh, he he said right once I'd meddled at KGB Nationals, he said, okay, so now we're looking towards the KGB England squad. Um, and I was like, yeah, brilliant. I was never phased by it. It was always, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. I'm I'm going to get picked kind of thing yeah. um, with Nick's encouragement um, and coaching and help and obviously Matt too. Um. So kind of one, obviously it's a natural progression. Once I got onto the, the England squad, then I wanted to get picked for the actual team to go away. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. And then once we once we moved from the KGB to the JKS, again, that's when it stepped up another level. Um, and that's when things really started getting pushed. My training, my comp- competitions, um, the opportunities. Once Nick had made me aware of... The EKF England squad I was like let's do it um after I'd had a bit more experience of the all styles competition under my belt because I was just purely short of camp before that and yeah. um, so that's kind of when it, I guess the real big shift happened in in my head and my my train and everything it was once I became aware and started thinking about going on to the EKF England squad
0: yeah and um- you know, we we've, we've both been in the KGB and we're both in the JKS. Um, how did you find the focus kind of shifting as you trained in the the KGB national squad, then you moved to the JKS national squad? Um, obviously, there's the style differences in terms of the competition. Showbook one being KGB. Uh, focus and uh, the all-stars rules for EKF could you tell us a little bit about your experiences just in both squads
1: yeah um quite a different quite a different experience and not only because of the style of competition so the reason it was a tough tough decision for me to to leave the KGB because I was you know I was a member of the, the team um we'd won various championships um and it was there's a real strong camaraderie in the KGB. Um and I loved that. I absolutely love that. Coming from a team sport, football as well, you know, that was a big thing for me. Um with the shift to the JKS squad and the all-styles competition, it was something I always wanted to try. I thought my style of fighting was more um oh, what's the word? Not I wouldn't say flamboyant, but I like to. You know, girls tended in the KGB just kind of, it was like kind of hands, whereas I kind of like to fling my legs around, sweeps, takedowns, yeah. spin and kick, like all that sort of stuff. That was more my my style. So that's why I wanted to try it. So, however, I've got so much to thank the KGB squad for. They, they have made me the the tough fighter that I am. So I don't mind getting hit. Um, I don't mind a scrap. I'll, you know, I'll 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 go there. Yeah. Um, and I've I've purely got the KGB squad to thank for that because it was tough, as you know, Ben. Yeah. Um they they make tough, they produce tough fighters. There's no doubt about it. Um the the, the skill and the flair more so came from. The JKS squad and certainly the England, uh, EKF squad, yeah. um, which was definitely my style. So I had that. The, I'll, I'll say it: the JKS squad was nowhere near as tough as the KGB squad in terms of where you need to go mentally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I think if if it was possible, every fighter should experience a KUGB squad um, mm-hmm. just to see what it what it takes to be a proper fighter with with heart yeah.
0: yeah yeah definitely. And then you know there's a lot of people kind of following in your footsteps as in they're moving from their club uh, team they're looking to get into a a national um, association team but then you went up that that next level to the ekf uh, national squad and then team. can you tell us about that? transition and that period of training that you went through
1: yeah scary scary um yeah so the the fear um of KGB squads that all went when I when I was only doing the JKS squad because kind of I was without wanting to blow my own trumpet I was kind of the top girl if you like Um, so things were comfortable.
0: Yeah. Um. Obviously,
1: I, there was tough girls to fight. Alex Simon being one, you know, tough girls. Um. But I was, I wasn't, I wasn't being beaten. I wasn't scared anymore. I loved. I absolutely loved it. But I wasn't. There wasn't that fear. Yeah. Until I went to try out for the EKF squad, because. Phew, the skill level that i was stepping up to at the time i just felt incapable of uh, and it wasn't it wasn't without nick's encouragement and reassurance that i could hold my own in that so again the the fear the drive into the squad that uh, the nerves the everything that used to come with the kgb squads then came back for the uh, EKF squad but then i also had the the fear of looking stupid to add into that. I always felt like I, I, would, I would look stupid and I wasn't as skillful as these girls. I wasn't as refined and polished as these girls. Um, and the training Willie Thomas was the coach when I was on it. And he's, he's a tough dude. He's a tough short to can dude. Um, you know, so you, you knew when you were going, pff, you were not getting an easy session. Um, and yeah, it was just, a, like I say, another level again. So kind of JKS National Association to actual National All-Style Squad. Big, big step up. Um, but one, I feel, as JKS England squad members, we can make yeah. our top people on our JKS team. I don't see any reason why those guys shouldn't be going for EKF squad because the coaching and background we've had on our GKS squad, I think perfectly sets, sets the best people up for, for making that step up.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it is a step up.
0: <laughs> yeah. As it should be. Oh, absolutely. You know, all styles. It's uh...
1: Just pure athletes with so much skill. Yeah. And they're tough as well, by the way. You'll get smacked on those squads and you've got to be able to take it.
0: Yeah, I, I remember you telling me about some of the sessions you'd uh, you'd have.
1: I'll never forget them. <laughs> <laughs> I that, love it. I love it.
0: That's obviously something you can uh, transmit to the the JKS England uh, squad, you know, particularly when we get back to actual training.
1: I'd like to think so,
0: yeah. Because there's like that desire so. for a lot of people. Everyone everyone thinks it sounds, you know, fantastic and and. Uh, you know, it's all star squad, I will get on that and we'll do this and we want this. But um, in my experience, people don't realise the level of work that actually requires. It's not just training once or twice a week and then... Uh,
1: no, I, I was training yeah. twice a day at this point. Um, I'd gone full, full-time, full which I was lucky enough to do. I was training twice a day. Um, I was doing private sessions with uh, Matt I was doing extra sessions with Nick. I was doing everything I could. And unless I was doing that, for me, I felt there was no point in even mixing with those, with those girls because I needed that level of training.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I felt, for me, anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And who, who in that time period was your... Did you have a particular fight that you looked up to, whether it was a, a female or male?
1: Uh there was there was one girl I, I think most most people will be aware of and that was Natalie Williams. I'd heard again being in being in my head in my own little bubble and also kind of being in the KUGB, you might not necessarily be aware of what else is out there and who else is out there. Um but Natalie Williams was always a name I was aware of even when I was kind of just getting going in the, the competitiveness with the KGB. Yeah. I was, I was always hearing her name. Um so yeah, obviously she was somebody. And I, I always got told how she fights like a man, which is how I was I used to be described um by people. And I thought, brilliant, let's see, let's see what she does. Let's let's look at this girl. And I, because like I say I had that comparison made with me as well. So all the, the flamboyant kicks, takedowns that sort of stuff that's what I aspired to be like um so going in it was Natalie Williams but once I was in you just there were so many more so Carla Burke it was always while I was minus 61 she was in my weight category yeah Um. obviously top top athlete top top girl and then of course there's the ones i so I wasn't aware of Carla I wasn't there's Kate Kavachinsky Amelia Harvey yeah, there's, there's so many of them.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so you've mentioned, obviously, Nick, uh, Nick Heald, uh, your husband, a great karateker in his own right, um, and a, you know, a top level compared to back in his day. And he was part of the JKS England coaching team for a long time. Um, and he's obviously played a huge role in your karate career. Huge. Um, what other, we can talk a bit about Nick. What? Who else has influenced you along the way and kind of pushed you to that top level?
1: Uh, well, yeah, like you say, first and foremost is, is Nick. Literally, I would not have done what I've done without him. Um, he's so driven and he's so knowledgeable in, in terms of kind of what we need to do, what we need to be looking at, it was literally all led by him for me, um, because of this little bubble I live in, and I needed somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, right, this is what's available. This is what we need to do, and I'm happy just to do it. I will do as I'm told, yeah. um, because I, I have those aspirations, you know, the, the goals and and things. So I was more than happy to go along with it. So yeah, he it, it put so much time, so much money into. Into my competitive career, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, he got things out of it too. He got to coach at the, you know Premier Leagues, and he got to fly all around the world and have the airport breakfasts that I wasn't allowed because I had to make weight. You know, it was great fun for him. So it was worth him putting that time in as well. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, obviously, I, I, like I said earlier, I was doing private lessons with Matt Matt Price, um, big big difference on the kind of fitness front um you know he the amount of times he grabbed that sick bucket for me doing sessions at his dojo um but also he was kind of I was on the KGB squad with him as a competitor and he was always kind of the man while I was on there as well so I we had a lot of conversations about things mentally and physically and, and we had a lot of comparisons like that as well. So he was always a big influence too. Um and then in terms of other influences, I, I didn't so much have them, to be honest, Ben. Um I just kind of got my head down and did my thing. I guess hearing Natalie Williams' name, like I'd I'd love to have done what what she's done and kind of modelled myself on her, if you like. Mm-hmm. in terms of fighting style and this and that just, but yeah other than that kind of just in my own little bubble as i keep saying <laughs> that's
0: great um <clears throat> you mentioned a little bit about it earlier uh you know the mindset the experience of going through those hard coaching sessions uh, in the KUGB and then as you reach the EKF team um Actually, before I go into into mindset, could you just tell us about the the experience you had when you were picked for the EKF team?
1: Uh, yeah, so
0: that's obviously I, a big moment for people, and you make that level huge. Um,
1: so I got picked twice. God, I couldn't tell you what year it was. Um, I got picked twice to go away. And both those times I was injured. I got injured. Um, story of my life. I'd love to have seen what I could have done yeah. had I not I suffered as many injuries. Um, so I got picked for the Europeans, whatever year it was. Um, and I, I snapped the ligament in my ankle in half. I uh, thought it would have been okay. I ended up needing surgery twice. So that was that gone. Then I got picked again after that and I was injured I think it may even have still been the same ankle injury yeah um and then I got picked to do an England versus France uh, competition in Paris so I got picked to go away with that and fight and it was <laughs> it was a very obviously I was so so happy it wasn't a it wasn't a continental championships but yeah. my god was it intimidating um all, all the proper athletes. I fought Alex Rechia, Um and it was, a, it was a team match and I fought Alex Swechia and was it two rounds? I, fought, I think I fought two rounds, but she's the one that stuck in my head because obviously she was a huge name yeah. um, and just the buzz and the, the level of professionalism you're seeing across there and obviously from our, from the England point of view as well just such a proud moment. I remember standing there, the whole England team was on this side of the tatami and the whole French team were there. And it was just eyeballing each other. The lights were down. (laughs) Um, Just the walking out, the music, the the crowd, they had a lot of people there. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is so far from anything I've ever done. Like it felt like a war. And it was just phenomenal. And I, obviously, that I, I wanted more. I wanted to get picked for the Continental Championships. Um, and I did. I got picked for the Europeans. Um, was it the Europeans? Yeah. And um, I was picked for the team only, not, not as an individual. Carla Burke got picked for, for my weight category. But I was, you know, I was happy. We've got to start somewhere. And... Yeah. Um, and again, just the experience, the pre-training leading up to that, it, you know, I just felt so proud and it, so professional compared to, you know, past experiences. Um, it just, yeah, just scary, proud, yeah. loved it. And then we had, I kind of had a two-year goal of getting picked for the Worlds in, oh, where was it now? Can't remember, can't remember where it was, but anyway, I basically had a two-year cycle goal of getting picked, and um, did all the fight-offs, did all this. I did everything I needed to do, and um, I was, you know, I was fighting well. We had various fight-offs, and I got, I got an email from Willie Thomas saying you would be picked, but I can't risk you because it was this ankle injury, it kept reoccurring, reoccurring. I was, I was going down in fights because of it and getting back up, but I could totally see it from his point of view. And he said, look, I can't risk you. I can't risk taking you. And pff, I didn't eat for three days, Ben. I've never been so disappointed by anything in all my life. Um, I went to watch and I just, it was just horrible. But I did get broken ribs <laughs> um, in Okinawa in the Premier League a few months before it. So I would have been injured anyway. <laughs> um, so that kind of made made the blow a bit easier. But um I, I could understand it, but my world caved in around me for that, for that three days. Yeah. And then I got my head out my backside and sorted myself out.
0: And- is that your is that your career highlight, England, France for the All-Stars team? Is that what you hold in the highest regard for yourself? Um
1: I'd say so, yes. Yeah, I just yeah, just that moment of just stood eye to eye with the French team in those conditions, in that arena. It was a real kind of moment, yeah. like kind of Tearing up and pride, just pure pride. But also one that sticks in my head was winning the Swedish Open as well. Um, I think it was the third time I'd gone. I did all right the first time. I went the second time I was injured, uh, but I gave it a go anyway, but I couldn't I had to withdraw. And then the third time I, I won it. And just, it was, you know, one of those days when everything kind of falls into place. Yeah. And I was just, I was just on it. And I, and I won the Swedish Open. And that for some reason, that sticks that sticks in my head as well. Fantastic. But yeah, England, England, France. I'm getting picked for Montpellier. That's where it was. Montpellier I got picked. Um, career highlights, for sure. Brilliant.
0: So let's just talk a little bit now about mindset. Because mm. um, obviously, you need a certain type of mindset to to do well at competition. Um, but, and you also need an incredible mindset to be able to recover from injury and particularly if you're missing you know these tournaments that you've worked so hard to get to uh, so if you just start with how you might prepare or how you even feel on the day of competition is do you like to feel a certain way do you do things to sort of ready yourself for the day in advance or how does it go for you?
1: Uh, no is the short answer um, obviously making weight that was you know mindset that was a mindset you had to switch into, I had to switch into, say, three weeks out from, from the competition, just making sure I was training right, eating right, the weight was coming down. I only had, I had like, three three K max to lose. Um, but this was one thing, so Nick always used to say to me when we are going to competitions or whatever, how are you feeling? And, and he just used to get the same reply, fine fine and and I was and I this is like the weird thing about me is I never suffered with nerves like for competition and everyone's like oh you're so lucky and the, but I just felt flat almost um there was no nerves but that's not good. I I don't think that's a good thing because the nerves that kind of get the I mean obviously the adrenaline gets going and stuff but i feel I feel a little bit of nerves might have helped a bit more with with me and and I, I kind of I competed in the um Moroccan K one Premier League, and my bags had gone missing. Um, I had no kit to compete in. It was the most stressful time. I was borrowing literally. I was in the warm up room approaching some random minus 60 Spanish guy saying please can I wear your gear for this round um I was borrowing sports bras from Swiss girls I'm talking the only thing I got hold of was uh, a gum shield that was my own (laughs) everything else was borrowed and the stress levels that morning this was the morning of my of the K1 Premier League and the stress levels were through the roof and I'd say that's the my best performance, hands down, in my career. That was my best performance at a tournament. I ended up fighting for the bronze medal because I was so hyper and stressed, and kind of everything was up here. Yeah. Whereas without that, for every other competition, I never had it. Yeah. Um, I was more flat. I think I needed that stress and that the nerves and the Chaotic uh, scenario situations, mm-hmm. and it really brought something out of me that I've never had before. But other than that, nah, nerves. Nick used to, he just couldn't get it in his head. I said, I don't understand you, and I, I don't understand me either. So, <laughs> did
0: you ever try to replicate that stress after that experience?
1: No, because then it's false, isn't it? And maybe I should have. Um, well, here he is, speaking the devil, interrupting my interviews. Um, maybe I should have. Somebody told me about Maybe it was Nick who told me. Hi, Ben. <laughs> um, about an athlete. Or oh, was it Matt who told me about an athlete who his coach would um, hide, his, hide his kit or pretend his kit hadn't turned up or things like that just to... Yeah. He him off basically yeah. to get that level of performance from. I don't know who it was, but I thought maybe, maybe that would work for me. Or maybe if me and Nick could have a massive argument beforehand, and I was all aggressive and
0: <laughs>
1: something like that. But No, I didn't. I didn't try and replicate it because it just felt false.
0: And when you were in a in a fight in a competition, did it make a difference to you if you're ahead or behind? And the, the you know that you've got time disappearing on the clock, did that impact the way you felt at all?
1: I um I used I went through a period of if I was ahead, I would switch off and I'd kind of go what would have looked negative. I'd stop the pressing, I'd stop the pressure, and they would always kind of pull a few points back. Um, If I had something to chase, I would chase it. Um, But other than that little period of that happening, I'd like to think I maybe got rid of it, but I was always aware of it, certainly. Don't switch off, don't switch off, don't switch off. Um, No, I I don't think... I mean, Nick might tell you something different, Matt might tell you something different, but... I don't feel like there was a difference. I didn't prefer, I don't think I was better if I was chasing it or whether, I, if I was, I don't know. Yeah. Not much of it, in my head, there wasn't much of a difference anyway.
0: And when, you were, when you were competing, did you have a particular uh, nemesis ever or a fighter that kept cropping up that was always like gonna be the challenge on that day for you? <clears throat>
1: Are we talking just any stage of
0: yeah, career? I remember when I was in the KGB, every competition I'd draw John James Bruce. Would you? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh ah. if it
0: was the Grand Slam. Um or something like that. And then when I was in fighting in EKFs, um, can't remember the last time, there's a guy called David, he always um seemed to just appear in my draw Every time. Oh my god, not again.
1: Do you know the only one that jump springs to mind is again there was for I think it was about a year in the KGB there was always me and Caroline McGrath um, ended up against each other Um, and it would at that time it would you know it swing both ways Um, but other than that. Literally it's oh there she's again In fact funnily enough Caroline used to come and do some that used to do the JKS England Open competition as well. And I think it was the first or second year we did that while we were, were we still in the KGB. Yeah, I think we were still in the KGB. And we'd gone to a completely external competition, and there we were on the draw <laughs> together again. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Um, I think as it turns out she didn't turn up that day for whatever reason I was like I was so thankful you know I'd gone to an external competition and yeah. and I was still fighting the same yeah. girls so yeah probably just her I think
0: and um, while we're still talking of, we're meant to be talking about mindset I drifted off um, mm, sorry <laughs> no it's my fault um, being injured because a lot of people get injured and they never come back from it You know that it like just mentally switches them off that you know they lose their intensity their drive you've been injured a lot as you said and how how did you just deal with that and push yourself forward
1: um it wasn't until the back end of my competitive career that that started even I was even becoming aware of having to start again and up until that point, I don't. You know, it was always just a given. Mm-hmm. I I was a competitor, and that was that. And yes, I was injured a lot, but I've been injured a lot since the age of ten. So it's always just been part of my sporting career, what whichever sport it was. Yeah. Um So it was always just something I did. It wasn't something I ever thought about, or I guess. It depends on the severity of the the injury, doesn't it? Um, When I snapped my ankle ligament, that was kind of, I reckon, the beginning of starting to become aware of digging deep to get back to to that level Um, because that was when I was on the EKF England uh, squad. Um, And I don't know if you ever experienced this, but once you kind of step out of a, a situation... So I remember watching squads and just sitting there and looking at it and thinking, I can't do that. How do I step back into that? Yeah. But obviously once you're in it, you're in it and you just do, but looking from the outside, it's terrifying. So I had, I think, you know, there was that, but I was also getting married that year and my aim was to be able to get into my wedding shoes. So there was that and obviously being back for, But um, ultimately, the Europeans that I didn't get picked for, those were the two things. So um, as kind of time went on and I had the second surgery um, and I was doing a hell of a lot of competitions at this point, probably one a month, but a lot of those were abroad as well. And I was always, there was just niggles and injuries and a week off here, two weeks off there, a month off there. And as I got older, I was... I said. I remember saying to Nick, I said, I am sick to death of having to start from square one um, because all these other girls, they're getting good runs of training. Yeah. And here I am starting again. Like how many more times can I do this? Um, and that was kind of right at the back end of my competitive career. And I started thinking, should I just retire? Like how much more can I do this now? And I was, how old was I, 30, 32-ish. Um, so, yeah, it did become hard. It just felt unfair yeah. that I was supposed to hold my own against these girls, but I was always that step behind them because of injuries, yeah. and it was tough. Um, but up until then, no, it was just a given. It's what I was going to do, because I love competing.
0: <laughs> um So, how has your understanding of what it takes to be an elite fighter changed over the course of your career?
1: How's my understanding of it changed? What it takes? Um, Being around the EKF girls, Natalie, Carla, Kate, Amelia, those girls, um, and just kind of hearing what they do. Seeing how they carry themselves, and it's—I realised I I was going to have to become more professional in my in my head. This wasn't just train twice a week, rock up to a competition, see how we do, kind of thing. Yeah. There was a realisation in me that right. I'm quite kind of um, uh, not blase is not the word. What's it? Just kind of do my own thing. Kind of not, not kind of with it. Kind of thing. But then these girls influence me, influencing me in the way they did. I realized, hang on, I need to take myself more seriously. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Taking myself more seriously. Yeah. Um. Behave like them train like them maybe even more get rid of this old kind of laugh and joke mindset. Yeah, I was good at what I did, but I wasn't I was physically good at what I did, maybe I wasn't mentally good at what I did until this this shift of um heading up to the the EKF England squad. I needed to take myself more seriously and just conduct myself a bit more professionally I'd say yeah yeah
0: and then you've you've moved into um coaching obviously with mm. JKS england um do you have specific goals around being a coach are you, are you um you know is this is there something that you particularly want to put into the jks that you know hasn't been there before
1: Oof. Well, do you know what? I've not really had much time to think about that because I got the I got the role in January, and then COVID kicked off, didn't it? I think we had squad selections. Um, I think that was it, wasn't it? Um, so it's kind of just been put on. You know, I've, to be honest, I've not given it much thought because of that. Um, I always like to think that I'd be a, a positive influence on females. Yeah. Um, competitive females, obviously, you know, the old, the age old thing, there's, there's plenty of role models for, for guys, for um, males, not so much for females. So, I'd love to kind of be there for the girls in the JKS England squad,
0: yeah.
1: Um, happy to coach the you know, the guys as well. I love it, I love it all, but I'd love to know that I've influenced a young a young girl to to push on and and get the best out of herself. Um, other than that, at the minute I I don't know. Obviously going away abroad and kind of doing all the opens and stuff really, really appeals. Um, other than that, ask me that ask me this time next year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we you all have had some competitions <laughs> oh, tell us about it
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right that's great um ashley that's really great of you to spend your time with us today talking about your karate pleasure um, wish you all every success for whatever's to come in karate and outside of it and uh yeah, thank you very much
1: thanks ben thank you